You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I am Roger B. This is the Locked and Loaded Show, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. And today we're going to talk about gun stuff. And guns are big because politics are big, and politics... Politics are involved in gun rights all the time. In fact, guns only have two serious enemies, rust and politicians. <laughs> and right now, there's plenty of available lubricants and protections for guns from rust. From but, rust. But the politicians, yeah. the protections are, <laughs> are far and away much any, harder to get. You got any hard abrasives that will keep away politicians? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. But anyway, it's crazy because these politicians are just they're, they're, they think that American citizens are not smart enough, not responsible enough to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And let me just reinforce something here. I know everyone goes, the Constitution says we have the right to own guns. Well, it does not. It says the government cannot infringe on your right that God gave you to own guns and protect well, yourself and your family. That's a great point, Roger, because people need to remember um, our, our rights aren't derived from government. We're probably the only country on the planet where our rights are not derived from government. That's right. Your natural-born right is to be able to protect yourself and defend yourself. And the Second Amendment states the government cannot make any laws to infringe on a right that you were born with. So don't think the government gives you the right and they can take it away. That is not how this works. And that's a perfect way to put it, Roger, because any right a government gives you is one that they can take away. Right. In fact, Thomas Jefferson had a wonderful quote way back. This is how brilliant the Founding Fathers were. He has a quote. Any right a government can give you is one they can take away. Right. Like driving. Driving is a privilege. It is not a right. You do not have the right to drive a car on public roads. You can drive a car on your own road all day long. That's right. And they can take it away if you violate their rules. But only they kill the oil industry. Yeah, well, well, there will be electric cars or rubber band powered cars or. <laughs> that's right, or yeah, Flintstone powered cars. Thanks, better, Brett, for that. You better get some sturdy feet. <laughs> Shoes will become a much higher priority. <laughs> Pedal cars, that would be interesting. Pedal cars. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, how many CO2 cartridges would it take to propel a? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a human car. <laughs> I don't know. That would be all compressed air, maybe big scuba tank in the back of your car. Let me let me put some fuel in this thing. Now this would be a fun experiment. Oh wait, they could use the scuba tank to blow air onto a windmill, mm. which AOC would just love that. She would love that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of compressed air, hot air. She knows about that. Yeah, hot air would be energy too. Mm, yep. But uh, okay, but your right to own a gun is not given to, given to you by the Second Amendment. It is protected. Protected from government interference or restriction by the government. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The government shall make no law to. Most of the Bill of Rights start with that phrase. The government shall make no right to infringe on this right, that right, or the other right. So your rights are not given to you by the government. They are yours, and the government is restricted from taking them away by the Bill of Rights. So don't forget that. Next time someone says, well, the Constitution doesn't give you the right to... No, no, no. The Constitution says the government cannot take away a right I already have. Don't let them try and tell you, oh, it was only applying to muskets. Oh, God, I just want to kick somebody in the musket when I hear him say that. But anyway. Okay, but now let's go to... Let's, let's get into this defunding police business, because uh, this is still an issue now, apparently, where there are cities that are trying to defund the police, and the police 
are losing their immunity to certain prosecutions based on the fact that they're police officers and they are given a little bit of extra leeway in a lot of cases because a lot of instant decisions have to be made. These guys make life and death decisions almost every day. Well, some of them. No, mostly all of them. Whether I should eat three donuts or one donut, it's still a life and death decision. <laughs> Depends on if it's a Krispy Kreme. Then I might have two. That's right. But, I mean, you know, I mean, cops have a tough job. I would not want to do it for five times that they get paid. I wouldn't want to do that job. That have tough. people yelling in my face, spitting on me. Calling them names. Calling them names, and me have to stand there and say, until he makes a deadly threat, I can't do anything. I mean, even Antifa and BLM called black officers racist. Right. Explain well, what do they call you? All, all, ACAB. ACAB. All cops are bastards. Yeah, so that's, you know. So th- And it's funny because they don't want us to lump protesters into a big group of all protesters are not violent. Well, all cops are not bad. Exactly. All doctors are not bad. All politicians are not... Um, well... Let's not go... Let's not state that just yet. We don't know about that for don't sure. Let's go crazy. That's right. <laughs> there are limits. Yeah, that's right. Let's say not all politicians are good. Yes, not all politicians are good. <laughs> but apparently in Aurora, Colorado, the, regu- the residents are strongly starting to figure out that the police aren't protecting them anymore. They're not answering calls. They're, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to get out there and, you know, have to deal with violent felons and maybe have to shoot somebody and have their family torn apart and be threatened by everybody because they were threat, their life was threatened and they had to defend themselves. Cops don't carry guns to defend you; they carry guns to defend themselves. themselves. <laughs> and it was funny because it's, you know, there there was a couple of examples here. This is from back in October, but it's something I didn't get to in the last couple of weeks when I was here, but. They apparently stood down twice in two days when confronting a violent felon who was exposing himself to young girls and destroying property and threatening to harm the residents of an apartment complex. And twice they confronted him and they just walked away. As soon as he calmed down or walked the other way or walked away, they'd say, okay, there, it's done. We don't have to take him into custody. We don't want to, we don't want to deal with him. So if you want to defund your police, be prepared to handle this kind of stuff yourself. Because they're not going to come out there and protect you. They're not going to come out there and put their lives on the line for you if you're not going to stand behind them. I mean, you have to have police who are not afraid. Because if they're afraid to touch anybody or do anything, they're useless. You might as well have Boy Scouts out there or Girl Scouts or girl. throwing cookies at them. I <laughs> know <laughs> a good box of cookies can put a dent in somebody maybe. But you know, it depends on how old they are. That's right. You get a stale cookie and that's kind of like a Palestinian rock. Forget the cookie. Just throw the whole box. <laughs> there you go. That's right. You the, the proper edge of a, a box. A corner of a cookie yeah. box in the temple. There you go. Take them down. <laughs> then they can still be sold. <laughs> That's right. Dented and scratched, but not opened. But not opened. <laughs> I don't recommend using cookies as projectiles. <laughs> no, we are not recommending violence. That's right. But, I mean, that's what it may come to. I mean, if you have police or aren't willing to stand up for you unless something is... You know, just so brazen that it, you know, it can't be ignored, then they may have to act. But they're letting a lot of little things go now. They're not answering a lot of calls where there's, you know, possible domestic violence or they're going in very light, going, oh, well, we don't see anything here when we get here. We're not going to go knock on the door. We don't want to get into this. So be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. You want defunded police? Sure, you might get it. Then you have to defend yourself.
Yep. And sure, you may have had a you may have had a bad interaction with a police officer. You may have had all good ones. I don't know. Most people, I think, when they interact with police, is generally is with traffic stops. I would think. I would say ninety percent of the people who have interactions with police are generally traffic stops, and those are never pleasant. You know, and it's it's bad that politicians have turned police into revenue collectors by writing tickets. It's so sad because they used to be community protectors. They used to be involved in the communities. They used to know the people in their communities when they actually walked a beat or drove around. They got to know the people in the neighborhood. Well, it seems like now, some of the, especially in these big cities, it's just it's crazy. There was one more event in Aurora, Colorado. A more recent incident involved a child abuse suspect with multiple warrants who was on parole who barricaded himself inside his house with one of his children and some firearms. And the cops walked away. Hmm. And the perpetrator is still on the loose. You know, so, you know, just be aware. These cops are not going to, they're not going to risk their lives for you if you're not willing to at least stand up and support them. They need your support in order to do their jobs. And I'm wondering how many cops are sitting there going, you know what? I've about had it. I'm done. I'm going to leave. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not... This is not the job I wanted. They're retiring in record numbers uh, Yeah. the NYPD. Oh, other, um, and uh, even local. Other there's agents. local county police yeah. here that have signs where they're it's paying thousands of dollars of signing bonuses signing just bonuses. to come sign up, try to be a yeah. cop. And most people, yeah. it's not the job it used to be. Mm-mm. You ask kids well, today what they want to be, police officers probably not high on the list anymore. What people need to understand, Roger, and you kind of touched on it. A police officer gets up in the morning and they go to work, and the number one thing on their mind is to make it back home alive. Right. So they're going to protect themselves. And if they don't have the backing or the funding of the community of which they serve, then they're not going to put their life in danger to save yours. That's right. That's, so, it's, I mean, yeah. that's normally what they do, but they expect support from the community. Right, absolutely. And, and communities used to do that. You they see a cop in trouble, you'll stop, you'll pull over, you'll ask if he needs assistance. Yeah. You know, you might be able to do that. Now, that, you have to be very careful with that, knowing who the right guy is, too. That's, don't get involved in something that's not your business, because that could get you in more trouble. Right. But apparently, in Aurora, how bad has it gotten? Let's see. At the last reporting, murders were up 72% over the same time last year. Armed assaults were up 35%. Robberies up 31%. All major violent crime categories were up at least 24%. Grand Theft Auto, now that's not the video game, but actual Grand Theft Auto, up 53% from last year. And I guarantee you... That these criminals aren't going, oh, you're a Democrat? Oh, okay, I won't, I won't. Yeah, they don't care what your political affiliation is. They don't give a rat's, you know what, they, in fact, will probably rob you or whatever they're going to do, and then thank you for defunding the police to allow them, uh, to allow you to be their victim. And now, okay, the crime, I just read all those statistics, that was up from last year. Arrest of potential suspects is down 45% from 2019. (laughs) <laughs> so the crime is up. Arrests are down. Arrests are down. Pari- police are arresting barely that, half as many people as they were. That is a horrible formula. <laughs> but, mean, you know, that's, you know, all the, we need to get rid of the police. They're bad. Oh, they're look, shooting I, us in the streets. I, they're killing us. I am all for not arresting nonviolent, you know, drug offenses and things like that. I don't have a problem. But let's go to treatment instead. But when you start not arresting violent crime, you don't... You don't child molesters who barricades himself in a house with yeah. a gun and a child. And a child. Oh, let's walk away from this one. Well... When we get to that point, like we're getting now in these in these places where they're defunding the police, 
It ain't going to lead lead to a good and, place. And they're starting off subtly, too. It's like they're, they're boiling the frog. When In case you haven't yeah. heard me say, okay, boiling the frog, I'm going to give a quick rundown. You throw a frog into a pot of hot water, he's going to jump right out. You put him in cool water and turn it up very slowly, inch it away, he's going to sit there till he boils. Yeah. He's going to kill himself. He won't know. By the time he realizes it's too late. And they're starting to do this with police tactics. They're saying, oh, you can't put your knee on him. You can't hold his hand behind his back. You can't push his head this way. You can't stress this. You can't touch him until he does this. They're going to make it harder and harder for police to do their jobs against people who are doing violence against citizens. And, you know, it's going to be, and then it, it's going to throw the the job of protection. And you being a first responder is going to become you. That's yeah. going to be you. You better become yeah. a first responder. Because you know, if you're not, you I, will have nobody. I believe, Roger, you know, we like to talk about movies and old movies because we're a couple of old farts. Um, I believe <laughs> there was a movie out there once uh, called Citizens on Patrol. Or Citizen uh, Police oh, Academy, Citizens on Patrol. Perhaps I don't uh, remember that one, but okay. It's it's something like like that. But we're gonna we're rapidly going to get to a point where we really are gonna have to be citizens on patrol. Right. And it isn't gonna be citizens on patrol with a telephone or or a, a, a you know little can of mace. Well, there was a. Uh, I mean, oh, you gotta be able to protect it? yourself oh, because there is gonna be no one at the other end of nine one one. Well, what there was um there was a story written. I don't have it in front of me. I don't think, or if I do, I can't find it but they were saying that um gang members will likely fill the void of quote unquote protection if police no longer answer calls and are not as prevalent as they were as soon as the police drop down there's going to be a void there's going to be a vacuum that's going to be filled by people who think they can do the job better or who already do this kind of intimidation or protection business business there's and you know Roger that's a good point because there's always if you remove any force any force there's going to be a vacuum and we saw it with Iraq you right know, back in um, the early 2000s when we removed Saddam there was a vacuum and now you you had Iran and uh, other people trying to fill that vacuum and and uh, you know the same thing's going to happen in your community I mean, Right. There's going to be people who are violent or who are gang-related, and they are going to come out and say, you know what? The police aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and steal a little more. I'm gonna, You know game, what? I'm yeah. going to get some money from this guy, and I'll protect him. I'll keep his store safe. I'll take care of it, but I'm going to need some money along the way. Yeah, I'm going to need a little, bit of, a little bit of hush money there. A little yeah. Bit. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back in just a minute. Money. We're going to take a minute for a few breaks. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 
1500 hours, America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. For a moment ago, we were talking about using Girl Scout cookies as projectiles as uh, possible defensive mechanisms. So let me tell you about something that happened. Two Georgia men were found guilty of trafficking guns and drugs in Girl Scout cookie boxes. Yep, that's right. The Girl Scouts apparently were being taken advantage of, and these guys were deciding they were selling Girl Scout cookies or using the boxes and hiding guns and drugs inside the Girl Scout cookie boxes. Now, I guess they they bought boxes of cookies, ate the cookies, and decided to use the cookie boxes again because they were a perfect disguise for almost any kind of illegal activity, I suppose, anything that'll fit in a cookie box. And the two brothers pleaded guilty and were sentenced to trafficking firearms in South Fulton County, Georgia. So, just so you know, be careful when you get that box of cookies. Make sure there's nothing illegal in there. Although, nothing against the Girl Scouts, because let me tell you, even if I'm on a diet, I can't resist Girl Scout cookies. I eat them all the time. Well, whenever they're available. And Boy Scout popcorn, too. So, you should support those, those groups. All right. Now, Remington. I don't know if everyone's heard about Remington, but Remington is having issues. They're, they've gone bankrupt. The company that owns them has gone bankrupt, and the factory is up there in, uh, in, in New York, and it's been there for generations, since the early 1900s, I believe. Early, mid-1900s, they've been there. They've been producing guns for almost 100 years. There were 600 workers at the Remington plant in New York. And as of now, last I checked... This is probably an ongoing dynamic situation, but all the workers have been fired by the company this this past week or so. And that's a few months after they sought bankruptcy protection for the second time in two years. But there have been successful bidders to buy the plant, and the bankruptcy proceedings have said they plan to restart some production. Although, you know, who knows if they're going to keep it up in that particular plant. Especially with the unfriendly tax and gun environment in New York. Who knows if they're going to want to open in New York again. That would be ridiculous, I would think. Why would you open in a state that is unfriendly to your business or doesn't like what you're doing? But this is 600 people who were laid off because these guys, I guess, I think they were mismanaged. Because Remington has been around. They've got good products. Oh, here it is, 1816. They've been in New York since 1816. So these people have been, a lot of these people are multi-generational workers in the Remington plant. They have been there for generations building guns. And it's sad to see something like this come to America, you know, that our gun manufacturers can't stay in business. Now, granted, there are probably new manufacturers popping up all the time and taking over, and there has to be an evolution of things. But it's just sad because... Remington is such a name that everybody knows. Everybody's probably shot one, or at least knows somebody. If you know someone who has several guns, they probably own a Remington something. Rifle, shotgun. They make some of the most prolific shotguns anywhere, and this Remington 700 rifle, probably one of the most well-known bolt-action rifles ever built. So... It's just, it's sad to think that the plant, and, you know, there are 600 union workers there, 100 or so salaried workers, and about 1,200 altogether, you know, including cleanups and stuff like that and uh, maintaining the grounds and things like that. And it's amazing that this happened during the time where gun sales have just gone through the roof. Record sales in every month of 2020, I believe, since February. 
gun sales are not doing anything but going up. And that's even continuing now. It has gone, you know, gun sales are just going as fast as they can go. And that gets me into the next story. That gun sales are going so hard and so fast, a lot of gun stores can't keep enough supply to keep themselves busy. They can't keep enough supply to to have enough customers coming in to buy stuff. Now, you would hope that they'd sell everything they can get, but if they can't get enough, they can't sell enough to keep their doors open. And there's one story. It's a California gun store. This is on Bearing Arms. If you've never been to the BearingArms.com site, by all means go there. Those guys write some of the best articles about guns, gun politics, and uh, you know stories about gun manufacturers and politics. They are some of the best. But they were talking about a place called Get a Gun, opened 15 years ago in Bakersfield, California. And now they're going to be closing for good. And they say a lot of it is because the California is coming after them and trying to penalize them by fining them for very minor issues. And the likelihood of an impending Biden-Harris, Harris-Biden administration is also going to be driving a lot of these stores to possibly close, if they, especially if they can't get inventory or have any, I guess, hesitation with what they're going to carry or what they're going to be able to sell. Who knows? I mean, we don't know that they can pass the laws that they want to pass. And it's, it's funny because everybody keeps telling me, oh, well, if, if the Republicans retain the Senate, then they won't pass any gun laws. Well, let me tell you something. In 1986, the Hughes Act, which limited ownership of fully automatic weapons to American citizens was passed by the Republicans. A Republican president signed it. Now, what the Hughes Act did is said anything manufactured after 1986 that's fully automatic will not be allowed to be sold to American citizens. So they limited our rights. They infringed on the right to keep and bear arms. They did. It was terrible. And it was a, a Republican who did it? He, uh, President Reagan signed that act. He was probably forcing some compromise through so he could get something else he wanted. But what this did is basically eliminated the possibility of ownership of automatic guns for anybody in a you know who just wanted to use them for recreational use. Because what I've seen is weapons that were going for a couple thousand dollars back in the early mid 80s, all of a sudden now are going for 10 times, 15 times that amount. I had an opportunity at one time to be offered an MP5 for $3,500. That same weapon now is between forty dollars and $50,000 because the supply is limited. There's no more coming into the system. Any of them that are destroyed or are sucked into collections where they're sitting there are no longer on the market. The market has been limited. It's a small market, and as America grows, there's more and more demand, but nobody can get any of these. And this was a Republican president that signed this into law, which it makes me hesitate to think that they're always going to be one-sided or the other when it comes to gun laws. And in 1989, I believe it was Bush Sr. who signed the Foreign, quote-unquote, Assault Weapons Act into law, which limited imports of certain types of weapons that they deemed were more dangerous than others from coming into the country or ones that had too many foreign parts in them. Now, some of these we're being brought into the country again. Enough parts are placed to meet the minimum requirements, and then they could be resold. But it was just, it's so silly that they're doing this. And that was a Republican again who did that. And on bump stocks, bump stocks, the Obama ATF approved bump stocks, use, ownership, all that. 
the Trump administration took that back, made them illegal with no compensation. You had to destroy, get rid of it, or hand it into the government. There was no compensation for anyone who bought a bump stock. Now it's all of a sudden illegal. They just flipped it with a regulation. There was no law passed. And that's, I think, the way Biden is coming after our guns. He's going to come after them through regulation. And that's what a lot of these gun stores are afraid of. It's odd because, okay, uh, there was a gun store in California. They closed. They've been open for, what, uh, since 15 years ago. Now there's another gun shop in New York. They have been open for 110 years. Apparently, John Jovino Gun Shop in Little Italy was first opened up in 1911. But it's, his owner says they can't pay rent without customers. So apparently he can't get enough inventory to keep it open. So he was going to retire anyway when he turned 75. So I mean, he, if, he gets, if he makes it to January 1st, 2021, that'll be 110 years. That's, he's happy about that. He's kept the gun show open for 110 years, and he turns 75 so he can retire. He'll get out. But it's still sad that these guys have this, this great tradition of you know providing opportunity to purchase weapons to American citizens and the fact that they can't get the guns to sell to anybody. But, you know, supply and demand, you figure that's, you know, it drives a lot of businesses. And I guess he sh- maybe should have updated the way he was getting his weapons, should have foresaw the possibility that maybe he couldn't get them overstock stuff. But again, in New York, it's very difficult because the government is against your business. They don't like what you do. They don't like the way the way you do business. They don't like what you sell. So you may see a lot more gun shops going going down the tube, so to speak, because they can't get the inventory they need. Hopefully, the supply will start to pick up a little bit as people start stocking up on what they need, and they'll be able to have at least guns will be able to be sold. Now, ammunition, I've seen this firsthand. It has gotten to the point where it is worth more than precious metals. We were at, I was at a gun show a couple of weeks ago just browsing, and we saw average price of a 9mm box ammo, 50 rounds, was between 30 and 35 bucks. Which, as you know, that's probably about three to four times what it, well, about three times what it normally is. Usually, eight to twelve dollars for a box of standard 9mm full metal jackets is pretty good. Fifteen dollars, top, 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 top of the, the market. They were going for 30, 35 a few weeks ago. This last week, that same box was going for 50 to 60 dollars, over a dollar a round for 9mm ammo. When you can find it, was in a couple of big box stores the other day, did not have a single round of any 9mm, 5.56, 40 cal, 45, 308s were all gone. Now, if you have something odd, like a 6mm Creedmoor, had plenty of ammo for that. You know, if you have something odd, you can sometimes find ammo for it, and that's what people will tell you. Sometimes you buy an odd caliber because it keeps your supply up a little easier when it's hard to get it. When it's easy to get it, though, the popular calibers are always in stock at better prices. So something to consider. That's something I want to talk about briefly today is multi-caliber handguns. There's a lot of weapons out there. 9mm and 40 caliber are exactly 1mm apart in size. The 40 caliber is a 10 millimeter, and it's not a 10 millimeter. It's not the 10 millimeter cartridge, but it's a 10 millimeter across cross section of the bullet. And the non-millimeter is obviously 9 millimeter. And they are so close together that a lot of handguns can have barrel swaps and magazine swaps that will allow them to function with both 
with just a few parts swapped out. So in case you get to the point where 9mm is too hard to find and you can find 40, you have a chance to find that ammo. You might be able to still be shooting it. That's something to look out for. And also, the 40 caliber uses the same casing as does the 357 SIG. The 357 SIG is a 40 caliber neck down to a .357 or .355, and it can use the same magazines as the 40 caliber with a barrel swap, of course. So essentially, you can have three different barrels, two different magazines, and fire three different calibers. Now, granted, it. It's probably more complicated than just buying another gun, but when the guns are that hard to find and ammo becomes difficult to find, you may want to find alternatives to using your preferred caliber. You may want to hold on to that 9mm and say, oh, well, look, I fear six boxes of 357 SIG, and it's still more expensive than what I would normally pay for 9, but it's cheaper than what I can get 9 for now. So be, be, consider, be consider options in things like this, because right now, the way ammo is and the way guns are being sold, you've got to find alternatives if you want to keep shooting or at least be able to stock up on anything. And I'm hoping once the president's assigned and he gets to work and everything kind of settles down a little bit, maybe people will calm down a little bit. And ammo prices will settle back down. Gun prices will come back down. Supplies will come back up. At least until something happens, a shooting takes place, or something happens to drive the frenzy again. But right now we can really use a little bit of calming down to get things to where they need to be again. I, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know at the beginning of this year, I was telling everybody, beginning of this year, end of last year, this is the best time ever to purchase weapons or ammunition because they were at the cheapest point they've been at in probably 25 years. ARs were going for $400. You could buy them completely assembled brand new for $400. Now that same one is probably seven to $800, and some of them are more expensive than that. Of course, they go up from there, but the prices on the guns have gone up probably at least 30 to 40 50%. Price of ammo has gone just five, six times what it was. So if you missed out when you should have been preparing, now you're going to have to panic buy. And when you have to panic buy, you're always going to pay more for the panic price. Let me ask you, Mr. B, uh, if I've been giving folks the right advice. I've had two friends come to me uh, just within the past lesson week <laughs> and, and knew that, you know, that we do this show, you do this show, and uh, they know that uh, I like to go to the range every now and then, As and uh, both of them have never owned a weapon in their <laughs> life, and they said, what do we do? And I said, well, the best thing you could do, in my opinion, is go to a range and they'll rent you a weapon or let you borrow a weapon as long as you pay for the ammunition. Usually you pay the rental fee, which is like $10. You yeah. can use any gun in the case okay, well as long as you buy their ammo. Right. And, uh, so I, and I said you can get a weapon, try it out, and decide what feels good to you. Don't, don't And at the same time, ask the owner or the person that you're talking to about the availability of ammunition. But get get something that you're going to feel good with, whether it's a small 30, 380 or a 45 or a 40 caliber or 9 millimeter or, you know, whatever <laughs> it might be that you're comfortable with and firing. Uh, that's Don't don't go by just what the person says at the store or, 
me because I can't tell you what you're going to feel Everybody, it's like with. asking somebody what kind of car you should buy. They don't yeah. know what kind of driving you do necessarily. Exactly. Now, if they're experienced, you can probably explain to them what you want, and they can probably guide you in the right direction. But until you get your hands on something, and the thing is, too, you're going to have to know how the proper way to hold a weapon before you can put your hands on it and see whether it's going to be comfortable. Right. Because not everybody does it the way they do it in the movies. They don't just grab it one-handed, pick it up out of the box sideways, and start blazing away. Well, just call me Cheyenne. (laughs) (laughs) Quick draw, McGraw. (laughs) Yeah. But, no, and I think think I've given them... uh, legitimate advice yes. about going and, and perfect, familiarize yourself with uh, because you know there's uh, and it and a lot depends on what you want or what you want to do with it right what, and, what uh, you think your priorities are going to be as far as what you need a weapon for yeah and so I said go and, and these people are experienced and you can uh, hone it down to two or three even at the counter that feel good and then take them and buy the ammunition and let yeah. somebody go in with you and uh, see if they have it first like you said first check the rental case usually it's one fee ten fifteen dollars that unlocks the entire rental cabinet of guns for you with you know all all the handguns the rifles are generally a little more but you pay that one fifteen dollar fee and you can probably choose from 50 different handguns and you can try 10 rounds out of one 20 rounds out of one a box out of each one and you can shoot as many guns as you want or have the money to shoot till you find the one that you like the best then go look at it see if they have it in stock and I, I, and I, I think the biggest thing is, and when you're talking to the person behind the counter, is to give them an idea of what, I want it for home protection. I want it to sit beside me in the car and talk to me. Right. I want to, you know, do this. I want I want it for this or that. I want to put it in the nightstand. Yeah. And then yeah. they may ask you questions that you don't have answers to yet. Like, are you going to carry it? And they're like, I don't know. Should I carry it? It's like, do you feel comfortable doing that? Or do you think it's something you may want to do in the future? And sometimes people will tell me, oh, no, no, I'm never going to carry it. And then they end up, you know, becoming a little more of an enthusiast and getting more familiar and comfortable with it and decide, you know what? I think I could carry it and I'd be comfortable with that. In fact, our own IT guy had the same same thoughts when he purchased his first one. He came to me back when Obama, I think, first got elected, thinking, I need some help purchasing something. Can you help me? I don't know. If I don't get it now, I don't think I'll be able to get it. (laughs) Well, you know, and the thing is, uh, you don't want a huge Glock or a huge 9mm that it you depends. might carry well it, if it you're six foot five and three hundred pounds that's it's not gonna, it's not as huge to you yeah <laughs> but if if you're my size or most people's sizes it's gonna sort of stick out like a sore thumb yeah and, uh, and you you can adjust your wardrobe to help cover some of that yeah too. depending on what you're what you're wanting to do with it but you you know it also depends on climate during the winter time I'll sometimes wear a bigger gun than I will in the summertime. Because I can conceal it easier from wearing a jacket everywhere. Sure, sure. Of course, if you live in Montana, you wear a jacket all the time. I think summer's, <laughs> what, like two weeks up there in Montana? Plus, <laughs> plus you have a strap on it to keep it in your holster uh, when you're riding horseback Horse across the <laughs> prairie smoking Marlboros. There you go, yes. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody in Montana is mad at us now, but that's okay. It's actually a, it's actually a compliment. Trust are, there, me. are there people in Montana? Yeah, there's like seven or eight of them up there, I think. Oh, okay. I thought they were just cows. Yeah, and if summer com- and if summer falls on a weekend, they have a barbecue. Oh. <laughs> okay. No. Montana is beautiful country. I've been there, and it would not be a place I would 
feel ashamed to call home if I ever got the opportunity to, to do that. It is amazing up there. I, I, I must say Montana is one of the... What is it? Obama said 57 states that I... It's, it's <laughs> yeah. one of the 57 I haven't gone to, but... <laughs> Excluding the other six. Uh, yeah, I've been through most. I've been through Montana, North and South Dakota, and all through Nebraska. Came up through Washington and Oregon, which also oh, are beautiful, beautiful states. Beautiful. But the and politics New there just New make Mexico. them so ugly. New Mexico is a gorgeous New state. Mexico, Arizona. Oh, they have some amazing natural wonders there. Like, what is it? I think it's the wave in Arizona. they got that huge, like, sandstone carved mountain path you can walk through, and the colors are just unbelievable. And, of course, there's Wyoming where you have the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone National Park. And, and then there's that. Texas that has one of everything. Yeah. Well, and we have two of some things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, then Alaska comes and gets gets all bowed up and says, oh, yeah, don't make <laughs> me cut myself in half and make Texas the third biggest state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to melt one of these days. Yeah, when all the water's gone, they'll lose all their water weight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, if you're thinking about getting a weapon, and if you're thinking about if it's just strictly for home security, maybe instead of a pistol, you want a shotgun. And uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, it depends on your situation, though. Are you there with other people? Are you there by yourself? You know, you don't want to be blasting a shotgun if there's other people in the house. No, but if you're there by yourself and somebody's breaking in... You're, you're there with other people all of a sudden. Yeah, a shotgun is a, is a very good deterrent. Yes, it is. And the but, thing is, but if you're if you don't know anything about weapons, I would say to start with a handgun always. That's just it's the easiest thing. It's easy to manipulate. It's easy to hold. It's easy to store. If you have a shotgun and you keep it thrown in the closet somewhere and something happens, you have to try and dig it out. You know, because a lot of people will throw, will load a handgun, stick it in a desk drawer, or stick it in a nightstand, and never look at it again. And you know, that's fine. That's If that's what you want to do, and not recommended, but you can do it. If you have a question about it, just email, <laughs> email our Roger at, that's like Roger, Roger, Roger at AmericasWebRadio.com, or you yeah. came up with another cockamamie what? Email address or something, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, that's it. Roger at AmericasWebRadio.com. Okay. That's it. Oh, I guess it was somebody else, another host. Entirely okay. possible. But, yeah, I will do my best to answer your questions. I am not claiming to be an expert in any way, form, or fashion. I just have a lot of time to hear other people talk about it, so I pick up things. I hear things. Guys talk. Word gets around, you know. <laughs> it's just all hearsay. And you you enjoy your guns, your weapons. The ones I, I ha still have left. I have very few left after the boating accident. <laughs> That's true. That's right. And, you know, yeah, they, they claim the ATF was talking about flotation devices for weapons. I don't know what all that's about. Well, uh, you have a monument out at Lake Lanier with a flag on it, don't you, floating around where the, where oh, the maybe. boat went there? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's hundreds of them all over, all over Lake Lanier, all over the oceans of the, of the southeast, all over the place. But anyway, um, but yeah, consider multi-calibers. And if you're looking at rifles, the multi-caliber weapon I like the best is the AR-15 because simply by a, a swap of the top of the gun, two pins pulled, top comes off, new top goes on, you can change calibers to something. So if you find other calibers available, and most of them, a lot of them... Do not. There are some that don't require magazine change. Some do, but your lower receiver will be the same for most of those cartridges. And you can run um, 
Let's see. 5.56, 300 blackout, same magazines, only requires a barrel change. But changing a barrel on an AR is not as easy as changing on a pistol, so most people just swap the tops out. And you can use a 7.6239 Russian cartridge, which requires a top swap and a magazine change, but the same lower receiver. Same thing, I believe, with a 6.5 Grendel. 450 Bushmaster requires a top change and a magazine change. And be sure you have them marked well, so if you change them out... <laughs> yeah, you don't end up putting the... Yeah, that's a common thing with the 300 Blackout and the 5.56. You can end up putting one in the other and ends up blowing things apart pretty easily. But hopefully, if you pay attention to what you're doing, make sure everything seats properly when it goes to battery. Pay attention. I would mark it. They make Sharpies that are actually paint pens in silver, gold, white, and you can mark on your weapon what it is, what it takes, what the barrel is. Or put white fill in on the front of the barrel where they usually mark the caliber. So you know, look at it carefully if you're swapping calibers around. Because, yes, that can be dangerous when you're doing that and not paying attention. Yes. I was actually at the range once working as a safety officer, and a guy comes over. He, he was over there, and he was shooting, and he flags me over, so I go over there and look. He goes, yeah, I keep shooting this, and it shoots one or two times, and then it's jamming. Huh. So I'm looking I'm looking down at his uh, table there, and I look, and I find one of the cartridges, and he was shooting 9-millimeter cartridges in a forty caliber handgun, and it was firing, but it would jam every other time or so because the bullets were too small. So I told him he had... I, Put the box back together. I said, take it back up. Tell them you need 40 caliber, not 9 millimeter for this gun. They apparently didn't check it. He didn't know what he needed. I don't know mm. if the guy at the counter just handed him 9 thinking it was a 9, or he told him it was a 9, but it was a 40 caliber, and he was shooting 9 millimeter ammo in it, and it was functioning, though. I mean, I don't know if he was hitting anything. Because that's a you know barrel, <laughs> bullet bouncing down the barrel, but he didn't hurt anything. He didn't hurt the gun. Didn't hurt himself. Nothing malfunctioned. Because one millimeter on each side of the cartridge—that's a half a millimeter on each side of the cartridge—is almost enough to where it'll work. Huh. You know. Mm. But yeah, be careful when you're when you're swapping calibers, or if you have any doubts, ask somebody to check it. Get somebody who knows what they're doing to look at it for you. Because they can usually identify the cartridge. Unless it's something really old, military produced, then you may just have to get somebody who knows the, the weapon itself to know what it was chambered for. But almost all modern weapons are marked with what caliber they are. And if they have conversion calibers, a lot of times they will mark those on the barrel too, telling you this is a non-millimeter barrel for a forty caliber weapon. Which, I mean, one of the ones I like to convert the most is the Glocks, because they are so easy. A lot of them, you just need a barrel and a magazine, and that's it. All the springs, the ejectors, all that stuff, the extractors, all work between 40 and 9 millimeter. Now, ideally, you're supposed to change your extractor to a 9 millimeter extractor, but they are so close, a lot of times they'll offset the barrel just ever so slightly, give it a quarter millimeter push to one side so the extractor gets a, a good grab on the cartridge and it works fine. I've had one, I've shot thousands of rounds through with never a malfunction and it works flawlessly. So that's something to consider. Like I say, in these times when ammo is hard to find, give yourself as much variety as possible. While normally you want to keep things as simple as possible, as few calibers as possible to keep things simple, easy, this is one of those times where you may want to consider purchasing an extra barrel for a gun to have a different caliber available. But make sure you research and know what you can turn into what. 
And and as that person is breaking in, you ask them, do you want to be hit by 40 caliber <laughs> or 9 millimeter? Or what, what is your choice of uh, would you death like a, Would you like a 12 gauge and a 2 and 3 quarter inch or a 3 and a half inch? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to know what the hell you're talking about. But that would still be funny, though. When, when, when your uh, hollow core door has this three-foot hole in it. <laughs> that was a shotgun. That <laughs> was just a shotgun, yes. Uh, but anyway, but probably not with buckshot, actually, because yeah, the pattern would be rather smaller or smaller with buckshot than it would be with uh, a uh, smaller... Oh, yeah. Um, buckshot holds a really tight, a really tight uh, group. I mean, especially yeah. inside a house. I mean, it's meant to go 50 to 75 yards pretty easy and hit a deer-sized object. So, uh, you're talking 10, 20 feet away, it's going to be like you know maybe the size of a fist. It probably won't expand any across the house. And, so very uh, little. The leg will bleed a lot. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because a shotgun is a devastating weapon. Double lot buck is, um, I think, 33 caliber pellets. Nine of them. That means every time you pull the trigger on a double lot buckshot, you're firing nine 33 caliber bullets. So you imagine that. I mean, boom, boom, boom. There, you just fired what? 27 rounds of 30 caliber ammo at somebody with three shots. And that guy goes from a bass to a soprano very quickly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh,. It's devastating, but be aware that in your house, though, you got, you got to realize if you miss, or even if it goes through him, or you don't hit him with every pellet, you're going to have devastating damage. There's going to be blood and pieces of body everywhere, and you're going to have pellets in every wall in the house if you're not careful. But that's what they got servo for. Yeah, go or whatever. Insurance yeah. <laughs> and insurance. Yes, that's uh, right. Anyway, he shouldn't have been there to begin with. Oh, or that's she right. shouldn't have been. But anyway, okay, it's about time to uh, take a quick break and. That's exactly what we're going to do in two ways. One, we're going to take a uh, break for the Army that we have their uh, promo, but also remind everybody that of the great shows that we have on America's Web Radio. We have tomorrow a great lineup. Thursday we start out at 8 o'clock with the Doctor's Lounge that has become one of the most popular shows going, next to Lock and Loaded, of course. But uh, the... Doctors Lounge. People are listening more and more, and and they'll be talking about the vaccine, I'm sure. But they've also been talking politics and what this administration has suggested doing that will ruin our medical abilities to get the best. And um, you know, a one-payer system would destroy our medical system. We're already on the brink of disaster with our medical system and hospitalists uh, working for hospitals instead of you. And uh, I just went through a situation on some charges that were just absolutely absurd. But that's uh, that's part of what we're getting today. And uh, so, locked and loaded, uh, we just finished uh, Victor's On Point. And uh, then we've got the doctor's lounge on Thursday morning. And, oh, if you want to take a box of Kleenex to your room and listen to a show or to your office and listen to it, go to a veteran's story and listen to Pete Mecca's show from Veterans Day. It will put tears in your eyes. It's all about the story of a World War II pilot, and it is 
one of the best shows I think we've ever had on America's Web Radio. But you got to have your Kleenex. We don't furnish Kleenex here, and uh, I don't want you to forget that, Roger. Okay, no Kleenex no, furnished here. No Kleenex furnished here. Cry into your sleeve. That's all you can do. That's it. So, with that being said, let's get back to Mr. Roger B. and Locked and Loaded. All right. Now, I know a lot of you are concerned. We talked a little bit about Republicans versus Democrats on gun control. And to be honest, I don't think we can trust any politicians. But the the gun industry is warning us now of a backdoor Biden-Harris gun ban. Now, keep in mind, regulations have long been a way where people can limit weapons without actually passing laws, which seems crazy, but with the ATF... With the IRS, I mean, there are ways they can get regulations passed which have more power than some laws do. And they're saying Biden is still going to plan. He does not want anybody to have military-styled weapons or weapons with certain features on them that he deems dangerous. Just like he probably thinks every putting a racing stripe on a car makes it into a race car, he thinks putting a pistol grip on a weapon turns it into a machine gun. But, you know, politicians don't know anything about guns, but they like to try and pretend they do. So the scare here is that the Biden administration is going to work with the ATF and try and pass regulation or change regulations or change classifications of weapons. The first thing I've heard, this was earlier uh, this week, I heard a guy from a place called Guns and Gadgets. He apparently knows people in the government. I guess maybe he used to serve in the government under, under some capacity. And he was saying that the first thing they're going to go after is 80% lowers, which if you have AR-15s or Glocks or SIGs, they have a lot of these weapons which are 80% finished on the receiver. You finish out the rest of it, and then it's your weapon, and you don't have to register it or have a serial number on it if it's for your personal use only. And that that procedure has been around since the 1700s. You were allowed to make your own weapons, and it's never been taken away from us until maybe now. So I don't even know. Now they're tra- and they're talking about eliminating or reclassifying pistol braces, which for the last probably seven, eight, nine years have been a godsend as far as building a little shorter version of a rifle-powered pistol. A rifle, you know, a rifle caliber pistol with a pistol brace makes it so much easier to handle, so much easier to use. And now they're talking about reclassifying those as what's called an SBR or a short-barreled rifle, which would require a $200 tax stamp. Now, keep in mind, there's over one and a half million of these in circulation already, way more than there were bump stocks. But if they reclassify them, everybody's going to have to get a $200 tax stamp just to be able to own this. Now, what they've done in the past is they give you, a, they got they grandfather you in for the first owner. He doesn't have to pay for the tax stamp, but he has to apply for it and get it. And but then every transfer after that has to be done on tax stamp. But if I know Democrats, they're spending so much money, they're going to need everybody to pay that two hundred dollars because they're going to want to try and take as many of these out of people's hands as they possibly can. But here's the big one. Okay, so say they eliminate the pistol braces, which would be, to me, just a horrible thing. Eliminate the 80% lowers, again, a terrible thing. They're not supposed to restrict our rights. It says in the Second Amendment, shall not be infringed. And even the Ninth Circuit Court has stood up just recently and said, you cannot limit someone's magazine capacity as part of a Second Amendment protection. that's that's That falls under Second Amendment protection, having the ability to have whatever size magazine you would like. 
But things are going to change because if the Democrats take control of all houses and the presidency, they're going to start passing gun laws. And if they can't, they're going to find ways to regulate. This is the one that scared me the most is that they were talking about reclassifying all AR-15 style weapons as class 3. This means any t- any type of AR weapon or any type of anything they consider, uh, I hate the term, but quote-unquote assault rifle, they're going to classify as a Class 3 weapon, which means you have to pay a $200 tax stamp just to possess it. And you have to keep that tax stamp as proof of ownership, carry it with you or carry a copy of it with you when you go shoot it just to show that it's yours and you own it. And, and there are millions and millions of AR-15s out there. Could you imagine every one that you've got or friends have? Everyone has to be registered, have a $200 tax stamp on it, and so they're going to collect millions and millions of dollars of taxes if they get this to go through. But this would require a reclassification through the ATF of an AR-15 as a Class Three weapon. Now, I hope this never comes to being. This would be such an infringement on our rights. It would be horrific to me. Of course, there are those who believe the 1934 Gun Act is a horrific infringement, which it probably is. I mean, if you get your background check and you're able to own a weapon, you should own whatever you want. There should be no limitations. Shall not be infringed does not mean anything but that. It's so easy. Shall not be infringed. Four words that mean government cannot restrict your right to own whatever you want. Can you own a tank? Sure you can. Can you own bullets for the gun in the tank? Mm, probably not. <laughs> but a tank you can is drive over and get them. A tank is just a car, you know. That's all it is—a car, a car with treads on it. But this would pretty much destroy the Firearms Act, and he also wants to push to repeal the Protection of Unlawful Commerce in Arms Act, exposing manufacturers to harassing lawsuits by activist lawyers to try and bankrupt manufacturers for political means. Because right now you can't sue a gun manufacturer if someone uses a gun in the commission of a crime. As long as the gun functioned as it should, was a properly provided product and did what it was supposed to do, there's no liability on the part of the manufacturer. Now, if they get this done, though, that means anybody who shoots anybody with any gun, you'll be able to sue the gun manufacturer for what a criminal did with it. Even though he committed the crime, he used it improperly, he was the criminal, the gun manufacturer will be responsible, which basically is going to drive every gun manufacturer out of this country. Any guns that come in will probably come from countries where they can tell, take our laws and tell us to stuff it if we don't want to, you know, they're going to say, yes, yeah, sue away, we don't care. But then again, they'll probably limit those imports also. So they're just going to basically shut down the gun industry by bogging them down with legal harassment suits that they're going to have to defend themselves against. Where are gun organizations the NRA and the rest oh, of Oh, they're hopefully they're fighting against this ridiculous, you know, stuff. I don't know. I haven't So I I guess another point that we should make is if if you're not a member of NRA, by all means, you know, join whatever gun rights group you can join. Join all of them and support them. Right. We, I mean, it takes, you know, we have the idea that the government has limited funds or non-limited funds right? and these organizations that are fighting for you and me do have limited funds 
and it takes a lot of money to fight the government. Right, it generally does, and to have a, a rights group on your side for a lawsuit is makes everything way easier, and you may actually get results you want, and people who are with you or like-minded are going to appreciate the fact that you had to go through that, and hopefully... You'll get extra funding to pay for your time and everything you had to do to go through it. In fact, a lot of times there are people who stand up, do something they know the government is against just so they can get arrested and then start the lawsuit process. Hmm. It's, it's kind of weird, but that's almost how it has to work because you can't really sue unless you have a, a plaintiff, a complainant, someone to complain to, to make the case. And then, of course, the smart gun thing has come up with gun where every gun has to have mandatory smart gun technology. And Obama tried to do that at one point. And I'm saying, yeah, let's start off with Secret Service. Let's give them all smart guns. Let's see how that works. Yeah, yeah lead by example. That's what politicians need to do. You want to be a leader? Lead by example. But you're not a leader. You're not a, a ruler. You're a representative. You represent the people who put you there. Never forget that. Because those people can take you out, although most of them won't, because they're too stupid to know what rights. They're willing to pawn off their rights for security. And Ben Franklin said it 200 years ago. Those who are willing to trade freedoms for temporary security deserve neither. So if you're willing to trade your gun rights away for what you think is going to be security, you think the government's going to protect you, you think the criminals will all of a sudden throw down their guns because the laws have changed, let me tell you something. That's been proven throughout our history to not be true. Criminals don't obey laws. That's why they're criminals. Drugs have been illegal for decades, and yet they can't stop them. In fact, Oregon just made cocaine legal. The only problem is you can't snort it up with a plastic straw because that's illegal. And uh, what's a street gun? A street gun? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's a street gun? That's one that you can buy on the street. Oh, an a il- criminal illegal weapon. Go in a, uh, the criminal doesn't go in a store and show his driver's license. Right. And checked. He buys it on the street. An illegally obtained weapon. Yeah, which most most weapons used in crimes are illegally obtained. Okay, well, you know what time it is? It's time to go home. Think about joining gun rights groups. Get with your neighbors. Make a plan for potential civil unrest. And time to think about all the things that are going to protect your rights from here on out until next week when we come back to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.